Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. Besides... Oh, is that is that what we're doing? I guess so. I like it. That means you have to do it every time. Turn that record over, everybody, because it's time yeah. for Not the Hits. It's probably not going to happen every time. <laughs> uh, it might be something different. It might be a little quirky. It might be a little interesting. It might be kind of boring. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why we call them B-sides, but I like saying it. Yeah. Well, you kind of scared me when you when you screamed that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Adam, what is B-sides all about? Well, B-sides is because the two of us are very lazy. Mm-hmm. And we don't feel like doing extremely long episodes anymore. Mm-mm. So what we're going to do is break them up into A-sides and B-sides. The A-side being the main X-Men issue that we cover, which uh, you probably listened to last week if you're a regular listener. If you're new, you should probably start on one of those A-sides. <laughs> yes. And once we introduce the new X-Men series, I have to imagine we're going to have A, B, C, and D-sides. I, I, I think the B-sides might go away when we get to, I don't know, we'll see. I don't we know, might, man. We might have, might have ABCs. There's going to be Excalibur and X-Force and X-Factor. I feel like, I hope, I'm really knocking on, well, no, and there'll still be Wolverine and Marvel Comics Presents. When we get to when they start having X Men Unlimited, then we're going to be like totally screwed. Oh my god! And there's like three major X Men comics, all of them somewhat relevant. Okay, I, I think I read the first issue of X Men Unlimited, but I don't know if I was aware of whether or not it was like Extreme Universe or New Universe or. I honestly don't know, and I'm hoping that it's sort of like every issue is kind of an annual, and then we can just cover it whenever, yeah. but I think it was monthly, so okay. that's might be a lot to wrap our heads around. We'll see when we get there. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm not looking forward to it, but we'll figure it out. We always do. <laughs> well, anyways, let's go ahead and kick this one off with Megan's Molar Madness uh, in Excalibur number 30. Which I was like, does Megan go to the dentist? I... Don't know. It also says lovers quarrel. There's a lot of information on this cover. Um, you have like a like a beastly Megan tearing apart Captain Britain, and then uh, the astral projection of Doctor Strange in the background, and Widget is there too. I don't know what the deal is with Megan's molar madness. When I first started reading this issue, like we learn, uh. Alice Sand, so we met her, she's part of the WHO, and she's Alistair Stewart's sister. She's on the way to the lighthouse for a party. And uh and then all like all hell breaks loose and Megan flies out and she's like a giant bat. And I was like, Oh, is this issue like Megan had like a toothache and then she freaked out and turned into a bat? And that's like that's the catalyst of this issue. So I don't know what the molar reference is. Well, the Muller reference is just the fact that she is a vampire bat. Uh, yes, it's it's very vague, and I forgot about it the minute that I opened the cover. <laughs> okay. Um, but now that I'm back in this area of space, I can uh, I can definitely say that the Muller's has something to do with the teeth. So luckily, I had been reading Doctor Strange. Oh. And this has like Doctor Strange references things in this issue that directly happened in Doctor Strange. That I was like, oh, I know what that is. Cool. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. You've been recently 
reading Doctor Strange or like in the past you read Doctor Strange and this jogged your memory? Recently. Weird. Why? I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not really enjoying it. <laughs> okay. That's like of all of the things that I would catch up on in Marvel Unlimited, Doctor Strange is not the thing that I would read. I I just never got into Doctor Strange. I want to read the 70s Doctor Strange. Um and I've and I've got a couple of, like I picked up a like a epic collection of them so I could get into that. Um but I haven't I don't know why I started in the 90s Doctor Strange, which is not it's not very enjoyable to me, which yes, if you're in a, if you're a big Doctor Strange fan, apologize. Um everybody's got their thing. It's just not my thing. Jackson Juice is drawing it, though, so that's oh, kind of fun. I like that. Uh, I don't have anything against Doctor Strange. It's just there's so many other things that I would choose before it, and not because it's bad, but just, just wouldn't be the first thing I'd think of. Uh, this issue, the way it kicks off, is, as I mentioned, Megan flies away because she's a bat, giant bat. It's got some good art. I mean, Megan flying away as a giant bat's a pretty cool image. Yeah, the, the figure drawings of, like, well, the, all the figure drawings are pretty good. Uh, like Alisande, especially in her opening panels, I feel like it's uh, reminiscent of um, old What's-His-Face. Yeah, good old What's-His-Face. Uh, the guy that used to draw this thing. Not Ellen Davis. A little bit. You think so? The opening where she's kind of like got her hand over her head. Not the rest of the issue. Like, there's a lot of things in here that are definitely not Alan Davis. Uh, but it's interesting. So this is David Ross and Alan Milgram, and they're 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 noteworthy. They've done a few things. Their names combined are Alan David. <laughs> there you go. See, it's all connected. Um, in any event, we come in and and Alistair's like, "Oh man, we were having a party," but then Megan freaked out, and then Phoenix fainted. Megan bit Nightcrawler, and he's a vampire now, so I've locked him in a closet. Uh, and also knocked over Rachel, and she's unconscious and hurt. Yeah, and I'm really worried about her. And so that's the setup. Captain Britain and Lockheed chase Megan around town, basically. And Widget. Widget's there as well. Um, when did Widget become like... Like, I know mainly he was... He appeared in uh, the cross-time caper. At what point was he just? Be, did he just? just they, he's just part of the team now. I don't recall there ever being a "Hey, Widget, our name is Excalibur. Would you like to join the team?" I feel like there was an annual or a special edition or a supersized edition that took place somewhere around the whole time space uh, conundrum, whatever that was called, uh, in which he was just there, and then he's just kind of been there ever since. Okay, and and they address him. They're like, "Hey." I mean, I don't think Captain Britain addresses him t too much. No, he does later. He's like, you guys got my back? Yeah. So, and and he's wearing like a little nightcap uh, widget is, or a little elf cap, which is kind of which fun. Which is cute. Yeah. A, a nice little touch. I mean, honestly, this is, as far as like Excalibur issues go, this was pretty good. Um, for, for non, for non, let me, let me clarify. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me, uh, yeah, preface that by saying that the, for, for non-Chris Claremont issues of Excalibur, for the most part, they have been messy yes. and uh, worrisome and fillerish. This was, this was decent. This was a fun romp. And uh, I'm happy that it wasn't horrible. <laughs> <laughs> As I was reading it, I 
when I first opened it and Megan's a bat and they're flying all around, I was like, oh, God. But, you know, <laughs> as I got continued to read through it, I also kind of fell into the same boat of like, well, nothing really happens in this issue to move the plot forward. Um, sort of still feels fillery, like they're trying to figure out what they want to do next. But for all of those ingredients, uh, still a fun read. Yeah. So Captain Britain and Lockheed make it to Hyde Park where Megan as a bat attacks Captain Britain uh, and is literally going to rip his throat out. Before that, Captain Britain talks to the police and apparently the, everybody in London knows that Shadow Cat is missing. Oh, yeah, that's right. The cop is like, hey, how about you go look for that Shadow Cat girl you lost while you were off dimension hopping? It's like, whoa, that's like need to know. And Captain Britain's like, could you suggest a dimension to start looking in? Yeah. <laughs> All indignant-like. Jerk face. <laughs> and um, so, meanwhile, uh, Alistair calls Doctor Strange. Which is kind of, there's a little bit of a jokey sort of thing with that where... Well, um, is it jokey or is it racist? Okay, yes. <laughs> I, I was I was questioning the same sort of thing. And I was trying to picture what this would be like on like an old like 70s sitcom TV show. And on a sold 70s sitcom TV show, it's kind of racist. But if you're just reading it this way, it's kind of funny because he just mis he mishears him. He says, no, this is wrong. He hears it as wrong. Wrong? wrong? What is? What is? I am. You are what? You are what? Wrong. But I haven't said anything yet. What? Arg. Look, so it's, you here's know. the problem. He calls Doctor Strange. Why? Because Kurt is a vampire, and at this time in the Marvel Universe, Doctor Strange is well known for being a vampire guy. Okay. Um, recently, in the pages of Doctor Strange, somebody did an article on Doctor Strange, and so he is suddenly uh, Stephen Strange is publicized and well known as being. Doctor Strange, the Doctor Strange guy who does Doctor Strange things, especially vampires. And everybody's like, wait a minute, you mean Doctor Stephen Strange is actually Doctor Strange? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> who would have guessed? Um, I don't know how he got his number, but I guess she works for the WHO, so maybe she just had it. Sure. WHO, Shield, Sword, they got everybody's number. They can all just call each other whenever they want. Yeah. So Captain uh, Wong uh, barges into the Sanctum Sanctorum there and says, hey, Excalibur needs help. Doctor Strange is like, you sure? This isn't a prank. And Wong's like, nah, it's all good. Vampires. And that's where Doctor Strange flips out and is like, vampires? Why, I've recently been dealing with vampires. <laughs> and meanwhile at Hyde Park, Megan is trying to rip out um, Captain Britain's throat and he's like oh man I, I gotta hit her but I don't want to hit her she's a girl I can't hit a girl oh my god more than well yeah I guess he does actually say he that he does like it's not like oh I love her she's my wife or my girlfriend yeah. or whatever <laughs> it, he starts there I could no I can't I love her I can't hit her she's a woman I can't hit a woman I can't well then again and then he cracks her across the face which is fine like let's that's played for a comedy bit it's kind of it's it's a, little, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit it's a bit dicey a little problematic in 2020 but if it wasn't a, if it wasn't played as a comedy bit it might be a little less dicey but the way that they do it is like oh well never mind i feel like yeah right i mean so the 
the right way to handle that is is not is to take the to take the sex out of it and just be like I love her she's my my friend my girlfriend I can't hit her I need to find a peaceful solution to this and then finally be like all right I'm gonna die if I don't deal with this punch right I guess right. it's a little less funny but it well you could still make it funny and you just have you just say then again and then she yeah. punches her and so. She goes flying and uh, she starts changing back into Megan. Captain Britain's like, oh, Megan, I'm so sorry that this happened. And then she says, help, rape, help. Which is like, whoa. <laughs> and immediately a crowd forms like, what's happening? Hey, is that Captain Britain? Oh, my God. And they start to, uh, you know, start beating on him, which is unlike any crowd I've ever seen. But they're like, hey, are you Captain Britain? He's like, yes, yes, I am the one and only. I've got this situation under control. And this old man's like, all right, gang, get him. <laughs> they'll attack him. And we find out later that these are all old timers yes. that are beating on him, which maybe makes more sense. Because I feel like a crowd in nowadays would just stop and watch. Well, I think it's funny that like a crowd just appears out of nowhere. I mean, that's a, <laughs> a beat from a comedy show for sure. Yeah. Uh, and there's an interesting, oh yeah, Lockheed covers his eyes and, uh, Widget's got like a funny look on his face, which is also kind of funny. It's yeah, it's it, the whole thing is played as comedy. And then Megan hops off as a rabbit. Meanwhile, Dr. Well, Alistair, a little bit more comedy. He's like, oh, Dr. Strange, why is he taking so long? I got to walk to the United States by now. Why is he so slow? And it turns out that Dr. Strange is sitting, standing right behind him. We would have knocked, but you don't seem to have a front door. <laughs> Doctor Strange and I brought Rintra, my apprentice. And so Doctor Strange is like, hey, Rintra, go check out that closet. He opens the door. Nightcrawler uh, opens his mouth and he's got yellow eyes and fangs. He's like, hello, Steven. <laughs> he's Yoda? <laughs> sure. And he says, take it easy, uh... Kurt, you're not a vampire, I take it. Nope, never was. Apparently the whole thing is that uh, Alistair saw the vampire teeth and forgot that Kurt had sharp teeth and freaked out. Which is also kind of funny because he's like, I've always had these. <laughs> yeah, it's silly. Yep. It's a silly issue. It's so silly. So Captain Britain is still... Trying to find Megan. Uh, Megan's a bat again and has like a dog or a squirrel or some woodland creature. Yeah, it's like she's uh, she's murdering a dog and... Uh, yeah, it's a dog, isn't it? I think she's going to eat it, maybe? Yeah, Lockheed says, shh, and then Captain Britain says, oh, gross. <laughs> Which is weird. You don't see your girlfriend who looks like a tiny little bat eating a dog and go, oh, gross. Oh, gross. <laughs> You but, typically don't see your girlfriend as a bat eating a dog, so anything true. goes I mean, after that. I guess. I guess maybe you would say, oh, gross. But I feel like you'd say, we got to stop her, which is what he says after, but after, only after he says, oh, gross. So Lockheed jumps in, does some flames on Megan. Widget flies in and says, oops. Burns the dog's butt and the dog runs away going, yipe, 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 which is another comedy beat that I don't approve of. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, harming animals is is almost never funny. I'm allowing that there could possibly be a funny scenario, but I don't know what it is. It's it's always played for comedy in movies and TV shows, but I don't know. It's just it's just not, it's just not my thing. Like when they slam a dog's tail into a a door or something like that. 
What, what are you watching? Uh, <laughs> that sounds awful. A, a Christmas story. The the old man, he slams the door, and then there's like a really fake-looking felt tail, and then you hear a dog going, rawr, 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 rawr. and he opens the door and closes it. And it's played for laughs. I, I think the one funny thing is because I don't really – I mean, I love cats, but I – I don't really like cats is when they make you, you throw something over your shoulder and, and the cat goes Meow! like that's funny to me. <laughs> that's the only like animal cruelty joke I, I approve of. Are you allergic to cats? Oh, my God. I'm so allergic to cats. OK, because that's like a thing is like people who allerg- are allergic to cats typically don't care for cats and they also don't mind about animal violence against cats (laughs) well i mean i don't want to see like a like cat get like torn apart or anything like like gratuitous but um no the rule of horror movies is if there's a cat or a dog in the movie it's gonna die usually it's because the cat is evil (laughs) and has to die sometimes (laughs) unless it's a chucky movie in which case it just needs to be abused oh yeah you know you know the the dog Barney in Gremlins doesn't get killed. He gets strung up by Christmas lights. He not funny. He gets abused. Not funny. Not not played for laughs. But has impact. Terrifying. <laughs> Gremlins. I love Gremlins. We've talked. Yeah, about I mean, it's 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 a great movie, but it's terrifying. I don't know if I go that far, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, the uh, dog runs away, yiping, as you mentioned, and that's when. Captain Britain, Lockheed, and Widget kind of tackle Megan. Widget creates an interdimensional teleportal, and they fall into it. Uh, and uh, Captain Britain says, no, Widget, not a dimensional teleportal you can't control. But as we learn in the next page, he can control it, and he manages to send them into the basement of the lighthouse. Along yeah. with some other creatures. Uh, Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange, there he pretty much sorts everything out, uh, puts everything back the way it needs to be, freezes everybody, and as he leaves, he's like, "Hey, you should do something about that dimensional rift in your basement." Or what does he say? Um, it's towards the end. Also, do you do yourselves a favor and do something about that dimensional nexus in the basement? They're always trouble. And so, what I wonder is, uh. Alan Davis and Chris Claremont were, were had like a story like where weird things were happening in the basement. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, they would go down there and nothing would, ha- be, would happen or sometimes they'd go down there and just crazy stuff would be happening. And I'm wondering if this is a reference to that where Doctor Strange is like, huh, you have a dimensional nexus in your basement. You should get that looked at. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I like that. I don't know if this is like putting finality to that sort of mystery or just adding to it. I I guess it depends on where where this goes. I mean, I'm not really sure what the future of this book is right now. It it goes on for a while. Okay. <laughs> uh, Juggernaut becomes a member. Spoilers. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. Like, that, a that long fun. time. Yeah. You know, Juggernaut's got a comic out now. Chris Claremont will come back and write this at some point, I believe. Yes, I know. I know. There's an arc. Girl schools from heck or something like that. That's coming up that he writes. No, no. I mean, like in like. 70 80 issues he'll come back and take the oh, book okay. over for a little bit he does that with uncanny and x-men too yep uncanny and x-men yeah he writes them both at the same oh. time for like eight issues and then he disappears again never to be seen oh they they that's when they give him extreme x-men uh is that 
in the extreme universe or in the 616? It's in the 616. Okay. It's just a different team doing different stuff. It's sort of like an X-Force, but they're extreme. They're so running out of adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, yeah, Dr. Strange leaves, goes back home with, with Rintra. Uh, Nightcrawler is, is still giving Alistair some crap about the teeth. Alistair feels terrible. We get to see the dragon that was inside the train, I'm assuming. Uh, you think so? Is that who it is? Well, I do think I, so because sure, when, be. when when Doctor Strange freezes everybody, he says, okay, now we can see who's who. These two dragons? And Nightcrawler says, they're both ours. So oh, yeah. I'm assuming that that means that that's the dragon from in the train. So maybe it just lives there now. Maybe it lives in their basement. That's weird. At any rate. What's his name? Widget used his uh, dimensional portal to go into the dimensional nexus in their basement, which worked out nice. Yeah. So there you go. That was uh, Excalibur number 30. It promises that the next issue will show us the return, sort of, of the villain that brought the new X-Men together. Do you think it's going to be a vision of Krakoa? Let's see. The new X-Men together. Yeah, I suppose it could be Krakoa. Uh, I was thinking that it would be Captain Nefaria or whatever his name was. Count Nefaria. But that's not technically the first villain that brought them all together. That's true. That's true. You could be right. Uh, I I didn't think of Krakoa, but I I think you're probably more uh, right than I am here. I will find out next time on the next B-side with Adam and Jeremy. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's got its own intro now, or its, it's uh, own extra. Yeah, we're going to. Are we going to say? Are we saying that after every issue? Uh, oh, I mean, probably. Okay. Uh, we we need a song, everybody. Get out your your ukuleles and. I, I was going to say ukulele. Oh man, you and me, we get each other. <laughs> we should do a podcast. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, there's X Factor number fifty nine, uh, which is actually it's a filler. But it's it's actually kind of good. Well, it's a it's 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 not a it is a filler, but it's not a filler. I mean, all of the issues of X Factor are sort of filling time before yeah. Extinction Agenda, but this does kind of close. You're right, Archangel's arc. <laughs> yes, yes. If you were into the whole vampire story, which I was not, this is a good uh, epilogue to sort of close it out. Um, Kind of brings Warren Worthington back to being his good old self. Exactly. So in this issue, there are now some posters. I feel like we might have seen these last issue, but if we didn't, it's X-Factor Heroes or Menace uh, posted in the newspaper. Um, potentially Trish Tilby ran with that. I don't know. No, she's a newswoman isn't, or a TV woman, yeah, isn't she? She's she'd be on the TV. Yeah. In any event, uh, Archangel sees this and he's like, oh, this is garbage. And he's hanging out uh, on a... On a one of those uh, cable cars and a whole bunch of reporters for some reason are in this cable car and they're all trying to get a scoop of Archangel and Archangel's like, leave me alone. And he throws a couple of them in the water. That's not true. They fall. He saves them, but they're giving him so much crap that he drops them in the water and Trish Tilby gets it all on film. And she's like, Oh man, they ask him specifically about uh, his, his police friend Uh, Mm -hmm. was her name. Jones. Jonesy. Jonesy? Jones? Charlotte? Charlotte Jones. Is that right? Uh, her last name is Jones. That's all I remember. At any rate, he flips out about it. And he's yeah. like, hey, how do you know about that? And so he drops him in the water. So the rest of the arc here for Trish Tilby is she's like, what do I do? Like, 
I, I love Beast, or I like Beast, or I don't know how she feels about Beast. She's still into the Beast, I think. But she, she doesn't know how she feels about Beast either. Yeah, and so she's like, I'll, we got to run this, because if we don't run it, somebody else is going to run it. We can't get scooped, um, but I don't want to, because it's not the right story, so we should really try to find, like, let's run it, but let's find, like, the right angle, uh, narration angle to be, like, to add some sympathy, so as the viewer watches it, they're not like, oh, look at that evil mutant throwing people into the water. But while all of that's happening, Angel heads over to Jones's house, uh, Charlotte Jones, and meets her mother, and her mother's like, get out of here! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want you around. But then there's a, a boy, Jones's son, who's got uh, um, crutches, and and he's like, oh, my God. He says, cowabunga, it's Archangel. Cowabunga. Yeah. And he's like, I love Archangel. She and Charlotte shows up and she says, see, son, I told you I knew him. And she invites Archangel in and they uh, going to make her some tea. There's a there's an interesting uh, race thing here. It's kind of neat uh, how they handle it, where uh, Angel thinks to himself, I don't remember exactly where this is, but he's like, Oh, the mom sees me as as the white guy I used to be. Um, Charlotte sees me as the blue man that I am. And this boy just sees me as a mutant or something like that. And it was neat to sort of see those uh, three cross sections. It was also just kind of neat to be like, yeah, I, I you know, I, I sort of like he's, he's a white guy who's now blue. He's a mutant who's been persecuted. So he's kind of like, I kind of get what you've been going through, but I also know that I've lived a life of privilege and I can never understand what you've been through. Right. So I thought that was a nice touch for 1990. It was handled well for 1990. We should mention this. This is black. Jones is black. Her mother's obviously black and her son's black. Uh, and they, 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 they live in their people of meager means. They're, they're making it, making it month by month. And we learned that uh, Jonesy's uh, husband was shot by a white man's bullet, mm-hmm. I guess, as her mother says. Yep. It was a, like a drug war that broke out while... Uh, as, as happens in the Marvel Universe <laughs> all, all the, the time. time. As Mr. Jones was taking little boy Jones to or from school, a drug war broke out. They basically got the Punisher origin story <laughs> happened at them. <laughs> yep. And uh, he got shot in the back. The boy did. Severed his spine. Left him paralyzed. And the dad was killed. We also get some stuff about uh, little little Christopher. Uh, they're testing out his the limits of his power. And uh kind of looks like Gene and Scott might be getting a little bit back to normal. Well, they have a nice moment where uh, they, they Scott kind of realizes that by asking, like she wasn't ready to be asked for to be married. And... It's the if he if he wants to keep her, he realizes that the thing he's he's going to have to do is back off. Mm -hmm. And so he does. And he says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to make you miserable by asking you to marry me. So let's just pretend like I never did that, which uh, I don't know how you go back. right? Because he (laughs) goes on to say uh, to make us both miserable. How about we just forget about it? Try to pretend I never opened my big mouth. Let's just go back to the way we were before. And Gene's like, all right, we'll try. Right. So it's a nice uh, gesture. It's, it, it's, it, it's in, in, in real life. Yeah. It's probably like, yeah, I kind of can't go back from that. But, you know, this is comics, so they're, they're going to give it a go. She does finish it off and say, next time, Scott, I might be the one to propose to you. 
which I feel like is not the thing you say to somebody. Right. Wait, so there's <laughs> right a chance? after you, you sort of rejected them for getting married and you're like, you're not really certain and whatnot, but whatever. Uh, there's some other good stuff in here. <clears throat> she, uh, she goes through and talks about her, her various memories, the clone of Madeline, uh, how, her, how, uh, Christopher's powers are probably telekinetic based, um, and then she goes on and is like, I love little Christopher as much as if I'd born him. And then she goes into can't marry Scott yet. Don't know whose memories or what, blah, 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 blah. But it's he kind says of nice. The fact that his field repels yours gene suggests it even more strongly that his powers are telekinetic based, which I kind of feels is sort of like that whole thing where mutants can't affect their relatives sort of. Right. Which they the brothers Summers can't hurt each other. Yeah, which they kind of like dip in and out of touching. But yeah, nice to nice to sort of bring that back to this to this fold here. Uh, Jones or no Trish Tilby is having a crisis of conscience with her boss, who I guess was her ex husband, uh, and ultimately he's like, "All right, you got to run the story, and I need you to take a vacation in India." I don't know if that storyline goes anywhere. Uh, but she's like, okay, well, I've got a, a solution that'll be mutually beneficial. I don't remember if we get the outcome of that. Yeah, that was weird because I was expecting, oh, okay. So we, we we followed her through her whole storyline mm-hmm. and then she figured out the resolution and then we never see it. It's kind of odd, but maybe we'll see it after Extinction Agenda. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering because, like, spoilers, the next issue of X Factor is going to be – uh, extinction agenda so there's there's three months where they're not going to be able to pick up any of these storylines yeah um anyways uh beast is i guess having his own crisis um and through it he's like i need to go talk to trish i i guess i yelled at her so i'm gonna apologize so he shows up at the newsroom just in time to see trish tilby kissing her ex-husband on the cheek and thanking her and he loses his mind and's like oh my god he's she still loves him yeah it's a little dramatic and she kissed him it seems so obvious seeing them together she still cares for him they speak the same language have the same goals if it was up to him we mutants would be at the headline news every night Our antics are dramatic they sell advertising this whole thing stinks it's a little dramatic because it is it is a woman kissing a man on the cheek which could mean any number of a hundred things uh and to leap to the conclusion that oh my god they're back in the saddle she turns into a teenager, basically. Yes, yes. This is very much like you're 14 and you just saw your ex-girlfriend kissing her ex-boyfriend while you were going to apologize for something and then freaking out because of this scenario. So, Go and to make matters worse, he's such a handsome devil. What chance have I got with Trish against him? <laughs> Which is funny because he just looks like a stuffy old man. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I was like, that guy's handsome? Well, I guess it's the 90s. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. He kind of reminds me of Punky Brewster's uh, foster (laughs) father. But anyhow, um, Angel gives... Maybe he looks like Walt Simonson. Oh, that could be. I don't know. And he's so handsome. (laughs) I don't know. Again, don't know. Uh, Angel gives uh, the little boy, Jones, uh, a flight because... He he tries to walk, he falls, he catches him, and he's like, oh, you might be you not be able to walk, but you can fly if it's okay with your mom. So they have a little flight, and it 
they don't really show it. They just say we're going to do it, and then they cut to uh, Angel flying Charlotte Jones to the police station, and then they have like a whole conversation. They have like a weird connection that seems to be fading away, where the vampire has made them able to see each other's entire lives. I guess I don't remember, but it seems like it's fading away, so that's good. Yep. Uh, and then they bump into Iceman, who's with Opal. Uh, they're they're kind of an item. Uh, and Angel sort of buzzes Iceman, and Iceman's like, oh, my God, he's laughing. Holy cow, Warren, he actually buzzed me like in the old days. He's back, everybody. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> and so he drops off Charlotte uh, at the off or at the police station, round back, so that she won't take a bunch of crap from her colleague cop workers. Fair. <laughs> And Opal gets dropped off at, uh, well, she, she's walking back to her apartment. She checks the mail, and she's got something from Little Tokyo Lane in Tokyo, Japan, and she freaks out. She's like, oh, my God, somebody's got pictures of me when I was a kid. Sounds like she's got an internet stalker. Yeah. I don't know if they're trying to do, like, a mature story here or what the deal is. But, again, it's a storyline, like, that nobody's going to be able to pick up for three months. <laughs> Photocopies of some sort of official documents and a note scrawled in rough handwriting. Spelling is terrible. No, it can't be. I don't know what this is because they don't reveal it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And then uh, to cap off the issue, Warren goes and confronts the media and tries to do it in his classic old Warren style and just tries to be charming and swell, special. Gentlemen, gentlemen, one at a time. I'll be glad to answer all your questions. He develops like um, uh, uh, Hanna-Barbera teeth where it's like <laughs> his teeth are just one big white block and he's got like a goofy grin. And then he's like, God, yeah, I can answer all your questions. Let's clear up this this issue. He's got he's smiling. It's It's very like this is a 1980s comic book. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Everything got wrapped up by the end of this issue. It's me, Worthy Baby. Yeah, and uh, in silhouettes, watching a computer screen, we see a familiar-looking bespeckled head that says, So, the monstrous archangel is happy at last. Uh, has reached some accommodation with the sharp-edged lethal terrible wings, but it won't last, that I swear. Soon I will destroy him as he destroyed me, because they are about to see my extermination agenda. <laughs> it does it does say that next issue you must read x-men 270 and new mutants 95 before the surprising return of one of the x-factors most deadly foes in brotherhood part three of the extermination agenda making me wonder who didn't who wasn't on board properly <laughs> <laughs> who didn't get the memo uh we're changing extermination agenda to extinction agenda make sure you correct all of your media uh in regards to that Whoops. It does make you wonder, like, is there a draft or notes that refer to this whole storyline that's coming up as Extermination Agenda? And at the last-ish moment, somebody's like, that's a dumb name. Let's go with Extinction. <laughs> uh, that's what I would imagine. I I can't imagine that this is just a mistake. Well, what is it called? Uh, I don't feel like calling oh, I gotta turn these, I got to turn these pages <laughs> in in 15 seconds. Extermination Agenda. Here. That's got to be close. Good enough. So right? I'm, run it. If I'm a if I'm a reader in the '90s, do I know that this is Cameron Hodge in the in the darkness? 
Because he's got the glasses. I mean, it's he kind of looks like Cameron Hodges. We remember him. If it's me or maybe you, I would probably <laughs> say like if you've been reading X Factor since issue number one, I guess it could be a hey on the playground. Hey guys, I I think it's Cameron Hodge. No way. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is, this is issue fifty nine. So, um, what's 59 divided by 12? Is that like four years? Yeah. Uh, X factor launched in 1986. This is 1990. So like, if you started reading this when you were 14, you're now a senior in high school and you probably don't care. So that's the weird thing about comics medium where I don't know, unless you're like, you more likely started this at when you were 25, (laughs) you're still old enough to care. Yeah, I suppose. Like, I guess I wonder what who they thought they were writing to, but doesn't matter. Um, if you've been reading all of the issues, then yes, I feel like you know who this is, or or you've got a strong feeling that it's got to be Cameron Hodge. But there's some cool foreshadowing in the fact that we don't see his body at all, which is kind of neat. Yeah, you know, which you know, knowing knowing what's coming, it's sort of neat. But spoilers. Yeah. I don't know. Well, without without actually saying anything, it's neat. <laughs> so, uh, Wolverine. Number- Tune in next episode for B sides with Adam and Jeremy. <laughs> bringing them view the hot takes of the B sides. Uh, well, actually, that one. Well, we don't know if that's going to be a B side or not yet. We haven't figured out what we're doing for this whole oh. extinction agenda thing. So, you'll you'll know as soon as we do. It's going to be great. I'm pretty sure we're going to figure it out. On the fly as we're doing it. Wolverine number 32. Wolverine number 32 is an issue. It is. It's a Sylvester and Green doing the things that they do. I like the cover in which Wolverine, he's blocking a sword and he's got a sword through him. That's fun. That is cool. It's featuring a totally surreal visit from Jean Grey. Trademark. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun issue. <laughs> uh Nothing of note really happens for X universe things other than, you know, Wolverine almost dies. And in the, uh, in the way that you describe certain issues as filler, Wolverine kind of right now is a filler comic. Every every story arc matters to Wolverine, right. but at the same time, it doesn't matter to the overall universe. And that's fine. Like, this was a good issue. I, uh, every part of this I liked. Um, and I have not been a big Wolverine fan up until now. I got, I think, Larry Hama on the scripts. He's doing a thing. He's doing some experimenting, trying to actually flesh out, like, his world, his story, his characters. And then you've got the added benefit of Mark Silvestri and Dan Green. So it's it's like you're reading an X-Men comic. That just doesn't have the rest of the X-Men, which has happened before. Yeah. Um, and there's some good stuff in here. There's there's like this little plot line about uh, some monkeys that they want for cancer treatment. Or is that just a line? Yeah, that's what they're okay. telling everybody, that they're a cancer cure. But, in but fact, it's for a drug. They're, they're just a drug that makes you... Uh, super high, or I guess I guess there's a version of the drug that they're gonna sell for ten thousand dollars, which actually kills you. Uh, which you know, his argument is like, yeah, people smoke cigarettes and that kills you, and it's like that's not the same. So there's a bit on here that I I thought was going to be problematic, but 
uh, didn't didn't bug me so much. There's a, a early on in the issue. There's one of the suit guys. He grabs a monkey. He's like, "Ooh, this monkey's got a big brain. We can get a lot of money for this, or whatever." He says, uh, "Extract as a catalyst for our quote cancer drug." And then there's a native there who's like, "I no understand why Lowlanders steal all little people. Not good. <laughs> Take all. No leave for next time." And I'm like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but they go on with him, and and he's like, "No, like they're like, don't you eat monkeys? Like, yeah, we eat monkeys. We don't eat all the monkeys. We also eat all these other things, but we don't eat all of them because we need them to replenish. We need them to regrow. And are you going to eat the monkeys? And they're like, "Yeah, well, we're going to eat his brain." And uh and then it goes on later on in the book. The the native shows up again for some reason. Uh, and yeah, I don't know why he showed up later. That was kind of weird. And there's like a we'll skip around a little bit. There's like a big pile of monkeys, and, and evidently, like this is all of the mo- monkeys. All of the warehouse. It's a warehouse filled with dead monkeys, and it's uh, presumably all of them. And then he's there for some reason as well. Yeah, the native's there, and he's like, and now he's not like, why no do? He's like, they killed the little people of the forest so they could eat their brains. They said that by eating the brains, they could see God. And he doesn't understand, like, why would you do this? It doesn't make any sense. And he's not like dumb, stereotypical native. So what started off as like a ooh, cringeworthy sort of turned into like, yeah, okay, this guy's insightful. He's like, respect the land, respect the nature. Take what you he need and only what you need. actually serves a purpose to the story. <laughs> exactly. And then he, you know, he looks at Wolverine's like, you're not like them. You're a wild creature. You're a creature of the wild or a forest creature, a wild thing. And gives them some information like, ah, oh, the, they went to the factory island where the radios and motorbikes come from. So where we left off last issue, Wolverine had nearly drowned to death. And so at the beginning of this issue, he's recovering. And then the rest of this issue uh, that involves Wolverine is essentially an assassination attempt on Wolverine where he gets stabbed through the chest, as we see on the cover. There's a bit in here where uh, he wakes up from a dream? I don't remember. Yeah, it's like a dream-like sort of thing. It was a fever dream, I guess. And he's like, oh, man, where am I? And he's like, oh, gosh, you were almost so dead that you you were rotting. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's neat. Like, you don't think of, like, you know, Wolverine dead flesh rotting, but then healing from that. It was neat. It's a cool panel, too, where he wakes up. He's all, like, shredded his sheets, and it's a nice drawing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the dude stabs him to the chest, and he passes out. And that's where he sees Gene, and he's like, oh, where am I? Where are you? Hey, what you doing there, Gene? And Gene doesn't actually talk to him, which is nice. Yeah, uh, she's, she, yeah, she's, I don't know, you could draw a, a a parallel that maybe this is the Phoenix Force inter interceding and but it is probably just a healing fever dream in which yeah. the 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 call to the light was Gene. Um oh yeah, it's a nice touch. And I don't know, it also just kinda like I always felt like um a Sylvestrian Green, like when they did the Inferno issues, I always felt like they did a really good job drawing Jean and this this picture of Jean right before she touches his chest is like, man, that that is Jean. Like, how do they find the actress that embodies that look? Because they haven't yet for the Jean Grey character in the movies. This looks like Elle McPherson, kind of. It's a very model-esque. Elle McPherson's probably the wrong age to play Jean these days. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but yes, uh, I... I actually can't picture what Elle McPherson looks like. But the, my point is is that the characters that have played Gene 
don't look like Jean to me. This does, but I don't know if this person exists. I think that's true of all comic book characters, though. I mean, like you get sometimes you get lucky. You get a Hugh Jackman who kind of works, even though he's too tall. <laughs> but really, like, has anybody ever played a good Scott Summers? Can you think no. of anybody that would? No. Can you think of anybody that would play a good Peter Parker? Like, uh, like, like in the comics? Like, I like all the people that have played Peter Parker in the movies, but I don't feel like they're yeah. good Peter Parkers. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't, they don't fit what I imagine when I imagine Peter Parker. Yeah, Peter Parker has a very distinctive look, and you're right. Even Andrew Garfield made a good Spider-Man, right. but none of the none of the three make me think of comic Peter Parker. Um, I'll be honest. I think Scarlet Witch of the WandaVision, whenever they do up her hair and put her in the outfit, I'm like, oh my god, that looks like the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> oh, when they do it in the silhouette, yeah, that's that's true so anyways uh wolverine's kind of wondering like oh did gene do that or am i talking to himself and then he pulls the sword out of his chest and then the story carries on and the bad guy is this big fat spider head guy yeah he's got a big spider on his face and tiger tiger's there and she drives a sports car uh the villain who supposedly kills wolverine says that he he mentions once again that he cannot uh, die except by a blade wielded by a dead man, which I, you know, oh. I feel like that's going to come into play. Just, just my writer's intuition. Yeah. There was another thing about like the spider head guys like, Oh man, Wolverine's still alive. You told me you killed him. I think his name is Goro. Yeah. And he's like, I thought I did, but I'll do it again. And this time I'll get pictures. And so they do get a picture of Wolverine with a sword through his chest. And they're like, see, he's dead, but we know better. That's uh that's a picture of Wolverine. Mm-hmm. So so he's Oh yeah. <laughs> Dang it, you're right. <laughs> I wonder though, so I... When was the last time we saw that Wolverine couldn't have pictures of him taken? I... Oh, it's a Polaroid. Is it specifically a Polaroid or I don't know. I I wonder if if in some no prize land polaroid being in i don't know adam because they do specifically say like no electronic means can capture your image or sense your presence but i wonder if polaroid falls into that exception i mean arguably a vhs camcorder of this era is nothing but like a lot of polaroids (laughs) all at once (laughs) right because it is just taking an analog signal and yes it's capturing it electronically with with a battery pack but I don't know. I feel like uh, all of the editors are like, what? No, it's not a thing anymore. I guess it's just not a thing anymore. <laughs> this is this is two for two. It, this would be the first, like, cap. Well, Larry, Larry Hama might not be in on it, though, either. Well, the, what we we had a couple last episode with, uh, what was the last episode? With, with Rogue. We saw that Rogue appeared on some. Mm-hmm. And now Wolverine's appeared on some. It's they're slowly just letting it go and hoping people forget about it. Is Bob Harris has he been the editor for a while? I believe he is the editor for all of the books. I don't know how long he's been editor for all of Who the books. Who was the editor before t- Bob Harris? Oh boy, I don't know. Okay, well you don't have to look it up. Doesn't matter. This is not Editors Weekly. <laughs> this is the Danger Room with. Right. Well, because according to that book we read, like as the editors turned over, like. They just suddenly didn't care so much about the storytellers and they cared about the art. Right. I don't know if we're 
I don't know where we are in that time period, but I don't think that's true of Wolverine though. It feels like Wolverine has been grasping to get some sort of cohesive team on it for its entire run so far. Sure. And finally they have one with Larry Hama and Sylvester and Green for a while. Do Sylvester and Green stay on the book for a while? Quite a while, yeah. Oh, I believe so. At some point it becomes one of the Cuberts, and I don't mm-hmm. remember when, and it mm-hmm. And they kind of, the Cuberts kind of remind me of Sylvester and Green, so it could be my childhood self didn't notice. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they stick with it for a while. We'll find out. Well, good. That, that makes me happy. I'm glad you're happy. I am, Adam. Does Marvel Comics Presents number 54 make you happy? That was me attempting to move on to the next thing. But uh, I don't know if I did a very good job on that one. I don't know. You didn't. In- include b-side in there anywhere but. oh yeah b-side uh <laughs> next time tune in for the next episode episode of uh wolverine number 33 b-side <laughs> um marvel comics presents number 54 i i liked it i mean n- nothing really happens i didn't like it it really um i thought it, it was a it was a bad wolverine you get you got good wolverine you got good wolverine writers you got bad Wolverine writers. This was a bad Wolverine writer, in my opinion. This is written by Michael Higgins. He's read, written some other stuff. Uh, Dave okay. Ross is the penciler. And I thought the pencils were actually pretty good. Yeah, it's drawn pretty well. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of rain, and and like they, the art. he uh, he does like this splattery windshield with Wolverine behind it, which is a really good effect. And uh, the narration is I like, but then I don't like it. Because um, he says yeah about twelve times in the span of four pages, yeah, which is like lazy narration. Like, uh, I don't know. It also feels like it's trying too hard to be in continuity because it mentions came down to the Carolinas looking for the X Men. Rest of the world thinks they're dead. I know better. I'm Wolverine. I'm gonna find them. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but not here. The mutants that were reported in this vicinity turned out to be Freedom Force. Hulk number 369. So when was Wolverine on, like, Detective Wolverine searching for the X-Men? <laughs> this never happened. Uh, I, I don't know. I was like, hey, if I'm not lazy, I'll figure out when 369 was released, Hulk 369, <laughs> and see what was happening in the X-Men parallel to that. This could be anywhere. This could be before he comes back to the Outback and gets hung on the X-Cross. But that doesn't make sense. Why would he be looking for the X-Men? I don't know, Adam. This doesn't make any sense. I feel like this is like uh, post-Psylocke and Jubilee, and he's like, hold on, i got to check the Carolinas. You guys stay here. (laughs) You guys stay here. Uh, Funny. uh, After that, I thought I'd always be a loner, but now I find myself looking for my teammates, my family. Yeah, I'll find them. And then later (laughs) on, he says something else like, uh, guess you, he's a, he, there's a bear in the middle of the road and there's a guy He's like, guess you didn't hear about glass nosed, which I don't know what that means. The bear is supposed to be friendly now. Snicked. Yeah. Didn't think bears could read. So, you know, he's just doing this sort of like monologue, both inner monologue and exterior monologue, but like he punctuates everything with. Yeah. I wonder if that's another reference to Russian bears that we just don't get. Could be. Because we had the other one that we didn't get in New Mutants Summer Special. So maybe this is the same reference. Who knows? Anyway, Wolverine kills a bear. Again, I don't like that. No. Wolverine would figure out a way not to kill the bear. 
you yeah like they would fight uh and somehow wolverine i feel like would figure out a way to pacify this bear and then just growl at him yeah i don't know but he kills it and that's 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 disappointing and so he grabs the guy he doesn't uh, even try he just runs up kills it and he's like he's kind of comically like talking about it's like one thing's for sure they got at least one or at least they used to being bears in these parts mm-hmm. yeah. grabs this guy throws him in the car um the guy's clothes are all ripped up and uh wolverine's like i don't like this guy he's he looks like a he looks like he's been pampered his whole life he smells like bruce banner he doesn't say because is this bruce banner i feel like it's gotta be right i don't no, it's not clear at all. Like, spoilers, Hulk's at the end of this issue. This guy is wearing ripped up clothes. His pants aren't purple, but that doesn't matter. They don't always have to be purple. This guy gets out of the car, walks into the woods, and Wolverine follows him and finds the Hulk. So I, I feel like this is this the, is this Bruce is the Banner. part that got confusing because the guy's like, let me out. I want to get out of the car. I don't like you. You don't like me. Uh, and then Wolverine and the Bruce Banner. If this is Bruce Banner, they should be recognizing each other. You, well, anyway, does Bruce Banner does Bruce Banner know who Logan is or Wolverine? Yes, absolutely. Okay, you would know. I would not. I mean, you know, I, Bruce Banner knows that he's encountered this Wolverine guy, and Wolverine's a very specific looking guy. Hard to be mistaken for anybody else. Sure. But so, uh, yeah, so he gets out of the car and walks away, and then we get a weird page. Where Wolverine's naked and a t- I, I don't know what's going on. I had to check this because he says, uh, but this guy, I can't figure. I decide not to bother. I'll wait. Maybe he'll come to his senses. If not, he's finished as far as I'm concerned. Page five. He won't bother me anymore. Turn the page. It says he won't bother me. Naked Wolverine popping his claws, stabbing into something who says, no, no. And I had to go back like, wait, did I miss a page? Like, how did we get to Naked Wolverine? Because then we cut to shortly and Wolverine's in his costume and it's daylight. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. Uh, so that part I didn't care for so much. So he's running around and he's like, hey, wait a minute. That scent, it can't be. And I like this Hulk in shadows. So he recognizes the Hulk scent. It so is. Maybe that, was, maybe that wasn't Bruce Banner. Yep, it's my lucky day. I'm going to have to fight the Hulk. Which isn't a thing that Wolverine wouldn't say. I'm going to have to fight the Hulk. That's just old comic book writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I can say about this story is it, it went by fast and it wasn't hard on the eyes. <laughs> That's true. I, <laughs> I can agree with you with that sentiment. Nice. Well, that does we'll it. We'll find for... out what happens next issue in B-Sides. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's Marvel Comics Presents B-Sides. Except for one more. Right. We have Gotta to bring talk... out the big guns. We have to talk about New Literally. Mutants number... Yes, number 94. Is that what That's this is? One. Yeah. And uh, at the top of this, I'm going to issue... I'm going to pull... The card, Adam, and I'm going to issue a trigger warning. <laughs> okay. I expect we are going to, in some cases, praise Rob Liefeld's artwork, but in many mm-hmm. more cases, we're probably going to mock it mercilessly. So if you're like, I'm a big Rob Liefeld and New Mutants fan, and I don't think you guys are talented enough to, to be able to take a crack at him, I'm not going to listen anymore. That's probably a good idea. 
That's fair. <laughs> now, and to to be fair, this also feels like an issue that isn't the top of his game. He seems like he's running out of speed in this issue. Don't know why that is. That's just what it feels like. I feel like my recollection. So I was not buying New Mutants uh, when Rob Liefeld was drawing New Mutants. Didn't even know who Rob Liefeld was at this point. I only became aware of him. And I don't even know how I learned about these things because I didn't. I didn't read wizard but somehow i knew Wait, is that wizard a thing yet or is I wizard shortly a thing? i don't really know but i knew that new mutants 100 was a thing so that was probably like in the back of an x-men book of like this week month look out for the last issue of the new mutants number 100 got new mutants 100 i feel like i got it off of like the the racket of ames or something <laughs> <laughs> i don't remember but i was not a comic book story i have it and and I, I I don't remember where I got it, but anyway, so I guess I'm not aware. So that's a long way of saying it's a stumbly way of saying that I feel like my interest in Rob Liefeld is in his covers. Like I always recall anyways, liking his covers. And if you look at this cover, um, the top half of cable, I think is really good. Yeah. And when you get down to his pants, it's not, good and then when you get to wolverine like that's not wolverine that's like some parody of wolverine it's like it's like what you know teenager wolverine it's like you're you see that and you're supposed to go awesome wolverine's awesome (laughs) yes this is what you draw as you're doodling in school of of wolverine like crouched over his mouth is open and he's he's about to get wild everybody look out McCable's faith is, is pretty good. It's his. He's got a nice look on his face. He's got a. His mouth looks like a mouth. Yes, it's, and his arms. I mean, they're they're big, and uh, that's fine. It's when you get down to his pants is where I, he didn't know what to do, or maybe Wolverine was already there in the foreground. He's like, I don't want to draw. Like, yeah, I just <laughs> uh, Richter, boom boom, sunspot, meh. And this is what I remember from those covers is like you used to have like the focal point image and you're like, that's cool. And then like some meh in the background. And then when you open up the book, I feel like every X-Force issue is like this issue where you open it up and the first panel is like, okay, he's trying to do something dynamic, but it looks really weird. And in this one, it looks like Wolverine's like laying on the floor. It's supposed to be Wolverine's like leaping out towards cable, but it looks like he's just like breast stroking on the floor towards cable <laughs> and he's like really huge uh and then the next page is even kind of worse um and not because and the next page is actually a decent drawing yeah but wolverine is doing that thing that you pointed out yeah. last issue where he's spider-manning yeah so and this is another recollection of x-force of like you'd get generally like you'd have a full page spread and you'd be like oh it's a full page spread action things are happening and then the next page you'd be like it's sketchy but then the next page would be like this which is this is a two page spread where you had to turn the comic book on its side to see what was happening so i don't know if that's a thing that we've seen before certainly not in the pages of x-men probably in comics somebody did this at some point but i don't think in the x universe i feel like this is a first for the x universe yeah I'm, it might be and this is this is not like cables cables good uh Wolverine like from a like a clarity perspective and from like a I guess a perspective standpoint like Wolverine's pretty good but this is just not how Wolverine operates. I don't even mind like his 
two foot long claws. Like I can like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> He's doing a thing. They're, they're both in the air, which kind of is distracting. It's like, like I, I get supposed to be mid pose. I don't, I feel like when you're fighting, you never end up in the air. Yeah. Well, these are dynamic poses, Adam. <laughs> Uh, and so the, the other new mutants are, are looking on, uh, they fight, they tussle around. Uh, here's the thing that happens. Wolverine's got his claws out and they're super long. And then the next page, they sort of go tumbling. Wolverine's claws are not out as he crashes into a bunch of barrels and boxes. And then for some reason, somebody decided to include a snacked in which he says, not bad. Use my momentum against me. Don't get cocky, bub. Because I don't even need my claws. But in the previous panel, his claws weren't out. It, yeah, I mean, it could be somebody, a uh, writer, trying to make up for the reason that Wolverine's claws suddenly disappear. Who knows? We'll never know. Uh, they can snack off panel. Like, that doesn't have to be a thing that appears. Like, this could just be Wolverine sort of, like, getting up. He doesn't have to be like, I don't even need my claws. It could just be like, don't get cocky, bub, and then get rid of that snacked. Or... Was the snacked already there? And they're like, oh, crap, what are we going to do? We have to address this snacked. Well, usually you would think, because like a thing that uh, Marvel does, according to the reading that we did in that book, is uh, frequently they'd send this back to other artists to mm. draw in things like Wolverine's claws in the uh, the upper panel. So I'm surprised that got guy by an editor. But <laughs> Editor's like, Liefeld is amazing. Send it to the printer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we lose our backgrounds. This is Louise Simons is probably losing her mind right now. Where she's like, "Wait, where'd the backgrounds go? Oh, now there's a background in in the field." On the next page, we get this kind of three panel dynamic fight scene where Wolverine's got like this cancerous Popeye arm that he's punching <laughs> Cable with, and his back arm is no better. Like it is also thick and fat. And I, I get that he's, I think maybe going for a perspective thing. Or did he just draw the arm first and then realize, like, oh, man, if I continue at these dimensions, Wolverine's going to be too big and then just didn't fix the arm? I no, I, I don't I don't think there's any uh, thought of this process that you're talking about. I think he drew, he drew the picture and he was like, awesome. <laughs> Nailed it, Liefeld. And then if you look at his, his leg, the leg is supposed to be going kind of like back away from us, but his calves are like expanding outward into his boot <laughs> so that if he was standing straight up he would just have these like mammothy fat calves <laughs> yeah it's not, it's not great and then cable punches wolverine which i don't know that that panel's fine that doesn't bug me but then the final panel where wolverine's like squatting on the ground perspectives are all wrong proportions are all wrong and cable just looks like a giant tick <laughs> uh anyways uh the, the kids cannonball and boom boom are tied up you get a weird scene where the uh, female tormentor of the two kisses cannonball for no apparent reason and then cannonball turns around and says i totally tricked her into kissing me so i could steal her key card um and get a kiss from boom boom but then you go back to the panel of her kissing and his hands are tied up above his head. He is like the best thief ever. So a couple of things. I'll, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, we'll get back to that there. Um, Sunspot is here and you commented last issue that Sunspot disappeared, never to be seen again. Yeah. And I don't remember 
it may, and it may have happened and we just forgot, but I don't remember Warlock, Cannonball, and Boom Boom getting caught. I remember Warlock and Cannonball and Boom Boom getting caught okay. and Sunfire disappearing. Okay. So presumably he also got caught. Okay. So yes, you're right. Uh, his hands are up above him, bound up by psionic shackles or something. They kiss. <sighs> Not sure where she's hiding the key card. Maybe in her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Rob Liefeld drew a bunch of things and then Louis Simonson's like, oh, okay. And then filled in the dialogue boxes. So he gets like all goo goo gaga, like, oh man, she, she got killer lips a man could die from for. And I'm like, oh, okay. Does she have like, like poisonous pheromone lips or some stupid power? Uh, and boom, boom's like, I gotta, I gotta shake him of this. So then she kisses him. So the whole thing is a setup to get Boom Boom to kiss Cannonball because for whatever reason, Rob Liefeld wants them to be the new thing. And then he's like, oh, I I did whatever I did to trick that girl into kissing me so I could get the key card, as you mentioned, with his mouth, I guess. It was my discussions with Cable about down and dirty strategy that sparked the idea and it worked. The key, Firecracker, I filched it from her pocket in her headdress while she was kissing me. And then you were so steamed I couldn't resist teasing me? Yes. So then that ruse turned into another ruse to get a kiss from Boom Boom. And and Boom Boom's like, oh, you're such a jerk, but you're also awesome. (laughs) Or something. I'd never have thought you, you could be so underhanded or so awesome. <laughs> like Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Sunspot's got a problem here in which his mouth, he, he just looks like a character of Sunfire. I love it. He looks like, uh, he looks like the guy from, uh, what, what is that Disney cartoon where all the emotions. Oh, I never watched that. Oh, he looks like the fire one. Okay. He looks like a little cartoon. He reminds me of the, thirsties from the kool-aid comic <laughs> if you remember them no i don't they had little cartoon mouths with teeth just like his um because he doesn't have an upper lip like wherever his mask ends is where his teeth start in every one of these panels <laughs> it's really silly but yes you're right so he's like i got the key card and he's i guess his hands are still bound but now he's got the key card in his hand uh and sunfire's like oh that guy's smart he got it from the pocket in his headdress and her headdress you know, everybody has pockets in their headdress. Sure. Wolverine and Cable keep fighting. Who cares? Do you think at this point, Louise Simonson just threw up her hands and she's just like, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> People obviously don't care. So I don't care anymore either. Well, she probably got to the panel with him holding this card and he's like, she's like, wait, what? <laughs> and then she probably had to backtrack all, all, over all of this and be like, I don't know. It's kissing ruse. I don't know. It's... I'm out of here in a couple of issues. Yeah. DC's got a job for me. Uh, so, yeah, they fight, and eventually Richter and Wolfsbane are like, we got to do something. So Richter knocks over a water tower onto them, which cools them off. Oh, there's a, something else that's out of Wolverine character where he says something like, um, now you did it. You insulted me. That was a bad move. And I'm like, Wolverine doesn't say stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, it was, but but you can chalk all that up to them. We later, after they get cooled off, they reveal that 
oh yeah, we've known each other a really long time. And every time we meet, we like to spar. And so you can chalk all of that early dialogue up to them be just being cocky and sparring, I guess. I think that's what we're supposed to feel like. Sure. So it doesn't bother me so much that the Wolverine dialogue is not accurate because this is complete and utter nonsense. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, we, we do learn some backstory. It's like, uh, let's see, fight goes way back and it's real enough. This old buzzer and me been trying to come to a reckoning off, uh, off and on for years. But every time we get close, something like that deluge you cooked up intervenes. When they say reckoning, is it just like who's stronger or like we had an argument 80 years ago and we're trying to figure out who won the argument? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Learned a few moves since last time we met Cable. <laughs> All of that will be retconned. Yeah. And I, 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 I don't know how they're going to retcon it. I'm just going to like, it turns out I never met you. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just not going to talk about it. Uh, I think that it'll probably just go away. And just like, just like you can't take pictures of the X-Men. Just one day. Is there an issue where time traveling cable meets up with all of these people that he's met up with in the future? Like they're in the past and he just goes back and hangs out with them enough for them to feel like they know him. Maybe because he knows Moira McTaggart. He knows Banshee. That issue needs to exist if it doesn't. Well, there's the whole. I, I hope it does. Gene <laughs> Gray and Cyclops miniseries in which they deal with. Sending the baby to the future. I don't know if if it does anything other than that. I haven't read very much of Cable's story, so I I have no idea. Oh, doesn't Cable get his own series after a while? He does. He gets a mini series and then a full length series, and then he gets a Cable and Deadpool series, and he, he's pretty much had a series since Rob Liefeld left X Force. Oh, popular character. Strife and. Somebody Strife's mad at one of his lackeys. He's mad at Dragonus, but she's not around, so he slaps someone else. Dog. <laughs> I don't think his name is Dog, but just just a regular dude. There's, oh yeah, he's got a bunch of regular dudes right. that don't matter. And Strife has the same problem as Sunfire, where where his mask ends, his top teeth begin. It just makes it looks like he has no upper lip. It makes more sense here. Um, because a of little bit. Strife's stupid helmet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. This is just like a regular old baddie that Strife backhands. Um, and he's like, all right, well, come on. Go catch them, you normies. Yeah. Because we got to save the good, ge- the, the actual tough people for later. We got to go do stuff involving the, the plot here is that the mutant liberation front is going to dump drugs into the water. Of every major capital. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Cannonball, uh, well, nearby, this panel, Cannonball, looks pretty wasted. Uh, it's a good drawing. It's a decent drawing, but his there's something wrong with his eye. Every sunfire gets more and more comical the further you go down the page. I love it. It's so, like, I just pretend that that's his entire, like, his head is his entire body. Like just just erase his body and just pretend his head is his body. Um, the final panel where he doesn't have teeth or a tongue and he's supposed to, they just didn't color it right. <laughs> he looks like one of the She-Ra villains. Uh, <laughs> he looks like 
There was a red She-Ra villain, and I'm not going to be able to pull his name. I'm Googling it. I kind of feel like if Rob Liefeld ever drew hooded Cobra Commander, the hood would come up around Cobra Commander's mouth so you could see his (laughs) mouth underneath the hood. (laughs) I don't know. There was a guy that had, like, big buggy eyes. Oh, here he is. Uh, But I don't know his name. Oh, well. Oh, well. I'm not giving up. (laughs) Mantena. Mantena? Oh, she, uh, She-Ra, yeah, okay. I know, I used to own Mantena. She, he was technically one of the evil horde from the He-Man side of the action figures, but all of those guys became She-Ra villains. Yeah, so man, he, he kind of looks, he kind of has a Mantena head because she, where his eyes are, they're like yellow and big, like Mantenas, and then his mask turns into like giant ear-looking things. He looks like Mantena, Google it. Jerry. Oh, I used to own Mantena. I don't. I don't. I don't need to Google it. I know exactly <laughs> what he looks like. Have you ever watched that Shira animated show? I watched the first season. Wait, are you talking about the old one or the new one? The old one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I watched that one. Of course, I did. It was. It was like the Power Hour. You had He Man, and then right after you had Shira. And I, I watched it because I liked the Horde. Uh, I was probably like, "Ooh, girls!" at the age <laughs> whenever it was out. So I was. I liked the Horde, and I, every now and then He Man would cross over. Yeah. I never watched She-Ra, but recently I like to put it on in the background. Recently, probably three, three, three years ago when I first noticed it was on Netflix, I put random episodes on and I saw an episode where it's Skeletor's in it. Oh, sure. And uh, Skeletor's old master is in it and somebody bakes Skeletor a pie and he's going to die um, unless they can find... Uh, the one person that likes Skeletor in the world. So Shira helps him out and tracks him down, uh, tracks down his old master. And it turns out his old master also hates Skeletor. So now Skeletor is going to die. And then at the last second, Shira just feels so bad. She starts to cry. And that act causes Skeletor to survive. Wow. And it's the greatest episode I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weirdly random and I, I, I kind of wish, like, I don't want to watch another episode of Shira because I'm afraid they're not going to be that bonkers. I feel like every one of those sort of throwaway 80s cartoons has that one little gem that a writer snuck in. Yeah. Uh, I've not seen that episode, but but um, for me in G.I. Joe, the similar, I mean, I've watched all the, the original G.I. Joes, but if I had to only watch one and watch it over and over again, it would be the Springfield Shipwreck Synthoid two-parter. The two-parter? Yeah, that's, that one's great, where Shipwreck's losing his mind and goes to the car wash, and like all the Joes are melting. He's like, what's going on? Uh, that one's pretty scary. If you're seeing it for the first time, you're like, whoa, that's that's dark. Yeah, that one's great. Um, and then, the uh, I'll be honest, uh, um, the She-Ra animated series that is on Netflix, so like the new She-Ra, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually pretty good. I'm sure it is. I watched the first I'm, season. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is pretty good. I, I don't, I'm just not into it. I, I wouldn't be into it. I, I don't know. It's not into that type of cartoon anymore. I don't know why. They're rebooting He-Man. Yeah, I don't care. I'm going to watch it. Okay. I'll be all over that. I would, uh, let's, if they, I did, when they rebooted G.I. Joe as Renegades, I, I was kind of into that, but I didn't really get it. Hmm. They did... Recently, the Transformers trilogy thing on 
Netflix. Oh, on Netflix. I didn't watch that. Was that any good? So there's a trilogy of like six part episodes. So there's like part one, which is six episodes and part two, which is six episodes. And I don't think part three has come out yet. I watched part one, like all in, like, Oh my God, like they're all here. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. It was boring. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I started on the second season or the second part and I, I watched an episode and I was like, yeah, it's boring. I'm just not into modern cartoons. I think I just like old cartoons. But what if, Adam, they did an entire movie or series using the CG uh, models that they made for the Bumblebee movie? I never saw the Bumblebee movie. Oh I wanted to. God, you should. It's the best Transformers movies they've made, except for the animated one. I, I want I want to. I, I will eventually. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's it. It's not a spoiler because it's right up at the beginning. But there are like they took the cartoon and they made CGI models out of them. And they're like, here, this is what you guys have wanted. And then they <laughs> they do throw in like crazy trick. Like I don't know what's happening with this. But they also like take out a whole bunch of Transformers. So there's only like four in like the entire movie. So you actually know what's happening. That's yeah. I mean, that's from from everything I've heard, it's way better than what we've always wanted. Yeah, and it gives you like. Here's some fan service too, by the way. And you're like, oh my God, look. <laughs> this is what I've been wanting. It's the way I remember them. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so um, Mantena here uh, <laughs> is talking to Boom Boom. There, there's like a thing where Cannonball gives Mantena an order. And he's like, I don't take orders from you. And Boom Boom's like, yeah, I know. Orders really suck. And he's like, you're right. Let's go. <laughs> They fight some of the henchmen, and at the bottom of page 15 here, you get another giant-toothed sunfire. It's just his teeth. Uh, Is it supposed to connect to the uh, other panel that's slightly above it? Oh, yeah. It's like the bottom half-ish, sort mm, of. The eye color, I don't know what's happening here, Adam. All I know is that, like, Sunfire's mask, for some reason, wraps under his upper lip. Because it's awesome. <laughs> it's awful. Oh. Wolverine and Cable bust in, and Cable says, Are you insane? What happened to stealth? And uh, Wolverine says, You want it in, bub. You're in. Because, you know, that's how I feel about the whole thing. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. They crash in because Micro Cerebro had found some mutants, but it turns out that the mutants in here are Sunfire, Boom Boom, and Cannonball. But. Huzzah! Strife and Sumo show up. I'll be honest. I think when Rob Liefeld does characters like Sumo, I think they look really good. Okay. I think like, I don't think there's a bad, like, yeah, I don't think there's a bad drawing of Sumo. And I think he excels when proportions don't really matter. Uh, Definitely. (laughs) So I feel like he would have excelled. I mean, obviously he did pretty well for himself in his career, but uh, like I probably would have been a huge Rob Liefeld fan if he would have like picked some abstract like monster book to do. Well, that's the thing is that you kind of have to go into the book and realize that proportions don't matter in this book in order to get through it. I mean, if if you're like an art critic, yeah, you're gonna go nuts. <laughs> now, the the troubling spot here is that we're we our camera is facing sort of upward. Sumo is jumping down toward us, 
and yet the camera is also facing at the top of Boom Boom. So it sort of makes it look like Boom Boom is laying on the ground, getting ready to charge up a time bomb. You get what he's going for, but yeah, it makes it's it's just like. And this is not like oh, this is early in Liefeld's career. Like I remember these th- sort of things in X Force, where oh no, the, the, the he never learns. I mean, <laughs> this is this does not get improved upon. Where people are just every which way, and for some reason, like you're drawn towards like what he wants you to look at, which is the cool drawing of Sumo crashing down. Like Boom Boom is just there because we need an object for Sumo to crash in on. You're even drawn to the the image of Boom Boom, and somehow you're not drawn to the two of them together, probably because they don't feel like they belong <laughs> in the same panel. Right, because you expect there to be a line between the two of them. They're both decent drawings. Yeah. It's just they don't belong together. But, I mean, you know, it's it doesn't matter. That's not what he's about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so Warlock turns into a net and, and protects Boom Boom and Sunspot from Sumo. And repels Sumo off into the water, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then there's this this interesting power that I didn't know that either Wolverine or Wolfsbane had, <laughs> where Wolfsbane either gets gigantic or Wolverine gets really tiny. But the way <laughs> it's drawn, it kind of looks like Wolverine's butt is bu- bumped up against uh, Wolfsbane's shoulder. So much so that you've got like a little micro Wolverine. <laughs> like you can't see her hand. So I just imagine she's holding up this toy Wolverine and she squeezes his legs and the claws come out and go snipped. <laughs> snipped. <laughs> she says, Cable Wolverine, when Strife showed us the poison earlier, I caught it sent the box near there reeks of the stuff. But the way it's drawn, like you need something. He's going for a field of depth here, but it, it all just looks like yeah. it's on the same plane. And it's it's very funny when you start focusing on it. But he's, miss, he's missing proper shading, I think. Shadowing, or you got to put like an object sort of slightly in front of Wolverine to be like, yep, oh, he's behind Wolfsbane. Yeah. This looks makes it look like he's right next to Wolfsbane. So anyways, Strife jumps out and punches Cable. We don't really get any of their backstory. Um, he does, Strife does say something about what, what the humans are doing in places like Genosha. They will do that to us all of the time unless we stop them. Just more of his stuff. Uh, we don't get any cool backstory on Strife and Cable. Cable punches Strife, uh, Sunfire, uh, fights Dragonus and Richter accidentally causes Dragonus. Well, he knocks Dragonus over, but then sets the building on fire, which was an accident. Sunfire had been trying to avoid that since both of their powers were fire-based and the building blows up. Well, the boxes contained a lot of explosives, which blows the building up. Yeah. There, there was a combination of drugs and explosives in this, in this warehouse. And they had to go through and figure out which was which, which is why rain said, I know which boxes have the drugs in them. And sunspot, who hasn't done anything this entire issue, who's like, funny, in a way, we were the instruments of his destruction, and yet the Inferno and Strife's fall were caused by his own stored explosives. Really makes you think, doesn't it? (laughs) I was like, who wrote that? This is literally like (laughs) Louis Simonson, like, uh, last paycheck is just about in the bank. I got to put a couple more dots and I'm out. Once the head is gone, the organization, the body tends to crumble. Don't worry, boom, boom. 
finding your friends will be next on our agenda. Because they want to find Rusty and Skids because the MLF had captured them. But that dialogue is bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cheesy. It's so bad. <laughs> really makes you think. Anyways, uh, uh, don't worry, Boom Boom. Finding your friends will be the next on our agenda is what Cable says. And the editor's box or whatever, a heartfelt promise, but one doomed to be broken. For even now, the new mutants are next on someone else's agenda. Who is this terror that stalks them from Genosha? What? Spoilers. <laughs> Why would they tell us that? Read X-Men 270, the first part of the extinction agenda for the answer. The new mutants are never going to be the same. Trust us. They had worked out the kinks and they knew that it was going to be called the extinction agenda. Uh, Louise Simonson wrote both of these issues, didn't she? Well, yeah, but I like I, we talked about off pod. We don't know if the like this was written by an editor. Or, oh, right. So I, I find it hard to believe that the uh, the writer writes the next or previously or anything like that. But maybe who knows? Maybe she was she was trying to figure out which name worked better. Do I guess we can talk about it when we actually get into the extinction agenda. Uh, if I get time, I'll I'll try to read the like the the liner notes or whatever that exist in the trade paperback but i don't remember whose brainchild the extinction agenda is i'm guessing it was cooked up by the editors is like hey it's summer we need a nine part <laughs> crossover where nothing is ever the same can you guys can you guys do that okay yeah i mean you know every every, every summer this this is their this is this year's inferno but it won't cross over into the full marvel universe Chris, remember that Mutant Wars thing? Yeah, we're not doing it. Oh. <laughs> we're doing Extinction Agenda. All right. But that was supposed to be a lead into Mutant Wars. Yeah. You're fired. <laughs> Get ready to pack your bags. So in the final pages of the New Mutants Epic Collection Cable, you get some drawings of strife, some very tiny text. It says, Bob, read the plot, talked to Wheeze a little. She told me one more bad guy had to be introduced, so I whipped this out. Let me know what you think. Give me a call if this... I don't know what that says. Uh, cape optional. Looks just as good without it. <laughs> Is that Rob Liefeld? That's yeah, Rob Liefeld's notes on his next to his drawing. Suggested names. Combat. Uh, I can't read what the other one is. Checkered? Overlord. Oh, Overlord. Okay. Um... Lots of, lots and lots of weapons. Does it Big say that? six type? Yeah. Lots and lots of weapons, exclamation mark. Uh, Big six question mark type. I don't know what that means. I think he'd be a good counterpart to the other guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm assuming the other guy is Cable. I, is I this know. like pre-Cable? Like, hey, I'm working these characters out. Uh. I guess so, because, yeah, I don't know. I, I would assume this would be after Cable, because they would have Cable, and then she would say, we need a bad guy, and so he would draw up the bad guy. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I can't wait to the big reveal of who Strife is, and then I can't wait to ask questions about why the big reveal of Strife is the way it is. I know that that takes place in another 
crossover that's like 16 parts or 12 parts instead of nine parts. I thought the reveal was either in New Mutants 100 or X-Force 1. Oh, is it? I thought so. Oh, okay. But I don't know why. If that's the case, I definitely don't remember it. The thing that I remember happens in the Exterminator Clause or something. I don't know. Oh, I don't even know what that is. It's 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 a 12-part polybagged with card crossover. <laughs> yeah. There's some drawings of Strobe, Zero, Forearm, Wildside, Reaper, Tempo. Um, Rob Liefeld writes, more stupid stuff. No. Some future friends and or foes for the muties. If you don't like them, trash them. It's okay with me. But if you're interested, give me a call. <laughs> I like this Rob Liefeld guy. He's He's got moxie. Yeah. Yeah. You don't like them? I'll draw different ones. He's a pleaser. Got a good attitude. There's some pages from uh, New Mutants 93, the last issue that we did, that had to be uh, drawn by somebody else for the, I guess, another trade paperback um, to fill in the fact that one of the pages was a two-page spread. So I guess that's what they did before they figured out just to do a black page. Oh. They would They would draw up a whole other page. It does Uh-oh. not look like Rob Liefeld, so it's weird. The, you know, yeah, just try to insert that into the middle of it. In the Extinction Agenda, I recall that for the the filler panels where they tried to cover up, like they wanted the Extinction Agenda, the one trade paperback, to sort of stand on its own, so you wouldn't get all like this backstory stuff. Uh, but there's a scene where like Gene and Storm are talking i don't remember and they fill it in with maybe some different text or whatever but the art doesn't match like it's not jim lee it's somebody else or i don't remember if that was x factor but when you look at the panel it's it's so clearly not the right artist but yeah i guess yeah it's like special editions for comics and your trade paperbacks yeah behind the scenes uh we got no letters this 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 time around i don't do we do letters in the b-sides Probably, uh, probably not. I don't know. We 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 just wing it. So yeah, who knows? no no letters <laughs> in the B side. People don't even bother. If you want us to read your letter on the B side, you got to let us know. I'm not going to do it though. You're not going to do it. You're going to refuse. I will. It's a B side. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's all you no need letters to know. In the B side. No You've letters heard in the B side. Letters are only in the A side. If you want your letter to be read during the B sides, you can let us know, but we're not going to do it. Yep. And then we will. We will. Make you mad and read it during the A side. Yeah, you're gonna be so mad, <laughs> so angry. And then we'll be like, "Gotcha!" But uh, yeah, to to get a hold of us on the A sides, not uh, never the B sides. Never uh, no. do so at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, Twitter us at danger room go, email us danger room at xmenpodcast.com, go out to iTunes and subscribe and like and give us stars and stuff. Uh, or go out to patreon.com forward slash danger room where we've got all sorts of Dawn of X and, and other hijinks. So many hijinks. Assuming that the uh, country gets vaccinated this year, that's going to get locked down soon. Yeah, download them all now before they go behind a paywall of a dollar. Yeah. Dollar. One dollar. <laughs> Besides. <laughs> Not even enough to buy a Dawn of X issue. Yeah. Uh, and our music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Adam, do you have anything else? Heck no. I don't either. So, until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Dane Room is closed.